better today. Thanks for coming to Crossroads Church. And what happened in the last few minutes for us worship is not just let's, let's sing songs together. Uh, the words of the songs are um, scriptural truth. And we, we sing them because it somehow it helps our soul to connect with God and to acknowledge that God loves us and has a plan for us. And his, his uh, love is way bigger than the stuff, that, the baggage that we carried in today. Amen. I love the book of Proverbs, and uh, with, you know, my routine is I always got to get into Proverbs before the message. Today being the 16th, I chose verse 24. Here's a proverb of the day. Kind words are like honey, sweet to the taste, and good for your health. So eat more honey. That's the way it works. Over the last several weeks, I've been on a, um, a series, a message series, basically about change, talking about, Lord, change me. I make myself available to you to be changed, putting our hearts in the place where the Lord actually has something he, w- he can work with because we're willing to let him change us. And um, the first week we talked about, here are some quick, quick overview. I want to get back because I was gone last week. True life change comes only through partnership with God and must begin with the rejection of faulty self-centered change methods. We talked all about um, the way the world would tell you to change, all kinds of things, the psychology of today and the fact they don't work and they change. Um, the second week, we talked about the fact that for life change to happen, we have to commit to full cooperation with God. And that was really a message that talked about acknowledging that for us to get right with God, we've got to have a relationship with God. And it talked about salvation, knowing your eternity. Um, and uh, the week, week three, we talked about um, the fact that God's plan for change continues through sanctification. I'm not going to teach that now. And there's a whole message on that, sanctification, what that means. And then in the fourth and fifth weeks, we talked about the fact that all positive change, the very first step forward is repentance. Two weeks we spent, you heard me up here saying the word repentance over and over again. Thanks for pressing through that, church. Proud of you. Way to go. Um, Repentance, it's not easy. And we talked about the fact that Scripture teaches that sometimes it's impossible. That's kind of crazy sounding. Because we think that at any point I can kind of get squared away and I think I will get squared away with God but it'll be in the future and I'll just, you know, I'll just do it when I'm good and ready to do that. The truth is, Scripture teaches that that's not true. There could come a, a time and a place where God says, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm done. And, uh, and repentance is no longer possible. We gave scriptures, scriptural examples. In specific, Psalm 103 says that God will not always strive with mankind. There comes a point where God says, okay, this is your choice. It's, it's your deal. So over the next few, few weeks, we're still in the change me, Lord, but I want to kind of change a little bit and talk about some of the most common areas that I think the Lord maybe is talking about change in lives with individual people, um, some things that the Lord is shaping in us. And uh, next week, we're going to talk about the contrast between surrender versus control. Are you a control freak? Do you have to have it your way? You guys think that you own the license to the clicker. And that's true. You do own the clicker. That's the way that works. The week after that, we're going to talk about the difference between discipline and regret. I heard one definition of, I won't want to preach this. I I want to preach it now, but I'll save it till later. But I heard one definition of discipline is is, um, choosing what you want most over what you want now. (laughs) And then the week after that, we're going to talk about uh, dealing with important things versus urgent things. And you might be in the middle of one of those areas of change in your life, or maybe some other topic that's completely different that the Holy Spirit is leading you on. Um, um, Then I'm going to wrap this up on August 13th, and I'm going to talk about 
um, about this whole change. And there's going to be a topic there. I'm not going to tell you what it is. It's a secret. But it is a topic that if you don't have this going on in your life or this present in your life, the change won't last. Whatever change you're in. So make sure you're here for that one on August 13th. Um, first week, we talked about taking out the trash. All the popular but failed human methods for change. And um, we learned then that those approaches... Um, don't define who you are, who you're going to become. Um, yeah, environment is important. Our environment does affect us, but it is not determinative. It doesn't decide who you are. You're not a victim. Um, you're not the sum of all of the things that have happened to you in life. So what are we now? Scripture um, talks about character, and it basically always comes down to, to uh, choices. So character is a, is a sum of the choices that we make. Today, our character is a result of choices that we made in the past, and the decisions that we're making today are going to determine what we're going to be, who we're going to become tomorrow. Our choices matter. So I'm going to ask you something just for fun. Just imagine something for a minute. Imagine that everybody likes you. Imagine that everybody approves of you. No matter what you do, everybody still thinks you're king or queen. You're just wonderful. You know, Just picture that for a minute. You got that now? You got that in your mind? Everybody likes you. Did you enjoy that? Because it really doesn't happen, does it? It's completely, you're all going, you're nuts, Terry. You know, it's, it's completely impossible. It's never, ever going to happen. No matter what you do, you cannot please everyone. We would all, I think, pretty much agree with that. So now, here's something else to imagine. Actually, something that can happen. In fact, God wants this to happen. For those of you who are followers of, of Jesus, and I think you know what I mean by that, but if you're a follower of Jesus, imagine being so consumed with pleasing the Lord, you know, that the approval of other people doesn't mean that much to you. Imagine the weight of that coming off of you, because you just, you're mostly focused, um, and you're consumed with even, imagine every single day you walk with purpose and passion in your life, and, um, and it drives you, and the approval of other people doesn't distress you. You don't have this concern that's somehow nipping at your heels. Well, what will people think? What will they do? What will happen if? Not only is that possible, but I really believe that's something that the Lord wants to have happen in the lives of his kids for them to get that place. It's the choice that I'm going to encourage you to make today, and that's one, to choose purpose over popularity. Today, that's my point, purpose over popularity. The problem is that so many of us our default, the natural thing that seems to do is just the opposite. You know, what do you think of me? Do you like me? Do you like my new shirt? This is a new shirt. I haven't worn this one to preach in before. It's clean. No spaghetti for breakfast today. Want to keep it clean. It's good so far. You know, so we have this, this, this default. You know, do you like me? Do you like the things I do? And, and then we have this second problem. And that's, you know, if we don't know the purpose of a thing, all we can do is misuse it. You know, if we don't know the purpose of our lives and we end up experimenting with it and we never know what to do, we never know what to do with, with, with why we're created the way we are. If you don't know the purpose of a thing, all you can do is misuse the thing. Um, I grew up um, with a friend, um, his name was Dennis, Dennis Kelly. And um, this was in Spokane and I was probably third or fourth grade, I would think, when this, this happened. And Dennis was um, one of many kids. He had a big family and mostly bigger, bigger older brothers. And so when you're a third or fourth grader, you get exposed to stuff 
um, at that age because the brother, the friend has older brothers that you wouldn't normally encounter in your own household. Okay, you're tracking with me so far? So a couple of us were, went to Dennis's house, Dennis Kelly's house one day, and, um, and we go in there, and his bigger brothers, and we're in the bedroom, and it's this big family, small house. They share a bedroom, and um, inside there is this thing. Um, it's an athletic cup. Okay, you know what that is, right? Don't, don't, don't. Okay, so there's this, 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 this thing. I don't know what it is, and this other kid with me doesn't know what it is, and, and so I know ladies are going, oh, <laughs> you can't say athletic cup in church. Okay. Anyway, so there's this thing, we'll call it the thing, sitting in the bedroom, and um, we walk in, and for some reason it's prominent, and um, um, what, this, this other friend sees this thing, and he says, what's that? And before anybody could answer, he needed to show us all that he knew. He said, I know what it is. It's an oxygen mask. And he grabbed the thing <laughs> and started to breathe deeply. <laughs> It had little holes for ventilation or something. <laughs> I can't believe I told you that. Anyway, so if you don't know the purpose of a thing, you can only misuse the thing. And here's the problem. <laughs> so many of us don't know the purpose of our lives. And if you don't know the purpose of a thing, you don't ask the thing. You ask the one who created the thing, right? You, you don't ask the thing. You ask the, perp- the, the one who created the thing. So all of us things, if we don't know about our purpose, what we tend to do is we go ask other things rather than the one who created us about the purpose or the thing. It's a thing. I'm a thing. You're a thing. You know. Hey, thing, what do you think my thing is? You know, and Tell me my purpose. Do you like me? You know? Do you like my clothes? Do you, do you like my hair, dude? Do you like what I'm doing? Do, 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 am I important enough? Do, you know, do I fit in? Are we buddies? Do, you, you know, do we like each other? Do you like my new belt? Do you like my new car? Do you like, do you like my new belt in my new car? Do, you like, you know, do we like each other? Do you like the picture I post? We go on and on. Do you like it? Do you like it? Do you like it? Am I valuable? And before long, so many of us, without really intending to, are literally living for the approval of other people. Do I fit in? Am I good enough? Do I measure up? Do you approve of me? And we're trying to find meaning in what other people think. And we're forgetting that God created us with a divine purpose in mind. If you want to know the purpose of a thing, you don't ask the thing, you ask the one who created it. And then that problem compounds Living for the approval of people keeps you from the purposes of God. We're consumed with what people think, you know, and pretty soon we forget what is it that God thinks about us. And the surest way to forget what God thinks about you is to focus on what people think about you. And as long as we're consumed with what, you know, the approval of people, we're not going to be living for the purposes of God. So I want to challenge you today to make a choice, to make a choice, because we are the sum total of the choice that we make. I'm going to challenge you to choose purpose over popularity. There was a guy who did this um, in the Old Testament. You know him. His name is Moses, and he's discussed by the New Testament writers um, in Hebrews 11. Now, a little bit about Moses, a couple quick things just to kind of get you in the context. You know the story probably, but he was born as a Hebrew slave, 
And um, through a miraculous set of circumstances that you can read in the book of Exodus, he was adopted into Pharaoh's family, into his actual household. Born a slave, adopted into the king's household. And um, he was born in, in, in poverty and slavery, and, and just this, he, has this, he lives in royalty and extravagance. That's quite a story. God was up to something there. And even though he could have chosen to just go ahead and live out a life of comfort, you know, instead he chose his calling over all that comfort. Even though he could have easily given into popular opinion, he chooses purpose over popularity. And here's how it's described in Hebrews chapter 11. If you didn't bring your Bible, that's okay. I brought one for you. It's up on the wall. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. So what did he do? He chose, there's our word, he chose. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. Why? Why did he do that? Because verse 26, he regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. He chose purpose over popularity. He chose calling over his comfort. And I, I just want to um, just take just a minute here and maybe disarm, maybe de- demystify the word purpose. Because as a pastor working with people, I mean, in this, this topic, if I talk to someone about their calling or their purpose in life, they'll kind of tend to start to get freaked out. You know, oh, I don't know. I don't want to talk about this. Because they think that that immediately assumes that we're going to be talking about um, they're going to be a missionary to some place in the middle of South America where they don't, where they eat people or something, you know. And the, the first week they show up, if they don't eat the eyeball out of the monkey, they're going to insult the king or some crazy thing. Do you ever hear missionaries talk about that? I heard that one time and it stuck with me. They had to eat, never mind, it's just gross. It's worse than the oxygen mask. Anyway, so... And, and, and so I, I bring the topic up and people tend to be intimidated because they think of this purpose with a big capital P. They're big P purpose. You know, well, I'm supposed to be a missionary. Well, I'm supposed to cure cancer. And so it's an intimidating discussion. But I don't want you to fuss about that right now. Okay? I'm not talking to you about your big capital P purpose. I want to talk to you about your lower case P purpose. You know, not the great big one thing you know, but instead, the day-after-day purpose, the moment-after-moments, the what's going on right now in my life. You, know, you serve God for, for this moment, and in, the, in this instance, what's he calling you to do today? You know, maybe you, you're talking to somebody and you recognize, you know, in that moment, for some reason, you realize, you know what, this person, I'm supposed to be an encouragement to this person right now. And, and you know, I'm supposed to be a voice of hope to somebody. And, and so... Your purpose in that moment is to be an encouragement. That's what the Lord is calling you to be, is in that moment to be an encouragement to purpose. It's way more achievable than curing cancer, which none of you are going to probably go home and do today. If you can, do it. That'd be great. We'd appreciate that. But, you know, or maybe you see somebody and, and they have this, this, this need and, and you recognize, you know, I can meet this need. I've got the resource that this person needs. I've got surplus. I'm going to help this person. And... And, and that's your purpose. Or maybe at work, you got a psycho boss. And you, as, as a faith-filled, hope-filled person, realize that, you know what? My role here is to pray for psycho boss for the benefit of all these other poor, you know, people. 
you know, maybe it's something as simple as that. And, um, you know, um, or maybe you're thinking, you know, I'm, I, yeah, I'm just trying to pass my algebra class for right now, and I don't need to worry about the cure for kids. I just got to get through this class. Okay. That's God. You know, that's what I'm talking about here, that you figure out your lowercase p purpose. Because if you do that, if you'll do that over and over and over again, you will recognize that what's actually happening is you are, being, is you are walking, being led by God's Holy Spirit. He'll speak to you. He'll prompt you and he'll say, hey, hey, Terry, um, make sure that you encourage this group of people because down in them, I got some treasures in them. And he does. In you. Talking to the band, as well as the people sitting behind the band and anybody else that I mean, there are there are things that the Lord wants to do and to say through you just to care for the people that you bump into. And he's not going to show up with with a, with angels' wings and a sword on fire in most instances. He's going to minister to the people through other people. That's you and me. And then when you do that. And the more you're in tune with God's heart and with his character and his love and his plans and his ways, the more you're going to see that, you know, God wants me involved. God wants to, he wants my help here. He's going to use me in this situation. And then one day you're going to realize that you've gone through enough of these lowercase p moments. And you're going to recognize that God's starting to trust you with bigger and bigger p's. And pretty soon he's, you know, scripture says that when you're faithful in the small things that the Lord will grant to you bigger and bigger things. This is several places. You can find it Luke 16, Matthew 25. I'm not going to teach those now. By the way, on the topic of being faithful with small things, I, I think my, my default thinking when I think about that scripture is I think about children. And I just want to go on the record right now and tell you that children are not small things. They may be small in terms of size, but in heaven, they are a huge, big, big deal to God. And um, I mean, I, I, I take so seriously, I think, our role as grown-ups to encourage and nurture the children around us, not just the little children, but as they grow up. You know, Scripture gives some commentary about that in Matthew 18, about, about being very, 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 very extra careful about not leading any children astray, especially when it comes to who he is. That we need to lead our children carefully. There's a reference there to something like a millstone and tied to your neck and throw it into the bottom of the sea. It would be better you did that than to lead just one of them astray. So um, that's a rabbit trail. I won't need to take any more time. If you're faithful in small things, God's going to trust you with bigger and bigger things, and you're going to realize as you grow in this that God's using you in bigger and more, more um, significant ways. And what I want, to capture, what you, what you want to capture is that there's power in purpose. You know, there's power in recognizing that for this moment, for this person, by the power of God, I'm, I'm called to make a, a, a difference in this person's life. There's power in purpose. So three quick thoughts today about purpose. There's power in purpose. Number one, Purpose diminishes distractions. There's power and purpose. It, di- it diminishes the distractions. You know, and for, for many of us, our biggest distraction is called comparisons, okay? You know, what do they think? You know, what was she doing? Why am I not where they are, you know? Um, and before long, it's compare, compare, compare all the time. You know, she's already finished with college. I'm on the 11-year plan. What's taking me so long, you know? Or, or we look, you know, this person's got a better-paying job, than me, or they're already married, or they already own a house, or 
you know, and, and it's just this curse, this curse of comparing. And purpose diminishes that. And, 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 and purpose diminishes all kinds of different distractions. And a terrific example of that in the Bible is a guy named Nehemiah. Um, you know, and if you don't know his story, he's an Old Testament guy. Um, he was heartbroken about, um, he was anguished about some, the condition of his city, his, home, his home, home city. The walls had been broken down and the place of, of his ancestry was broken down and it was defenseless and people were unable to worship God there and it was just, it, it, was, it was weighing heavy, heavy, heavy on his heart. He was actually living in the lap of luxury in a different nation. But this problem back home was just tearing him apart. And um, so, I, I mean, it's just kind of a side thought about this, is that, you know, if you find yourself really stirred up about something, righteously angry maybe even, that churning in you could be purpose stirring up. It could be spinning up in you. Anyway, so he's, he's, he's saying, you know, I, I can't stand this. Somebody's got to do something about this, and it, it, it might as well be me basically, is what's stirring in him. And so he rallies the people around him, and um, he's, he's trying to be a great leader. And, and he's, so he's up on this wall. He's rebuilding this wall, and he's, he's building it, and he's placing stones, and he's, you know, he's working away, and he's doing his job. And then these enemies start showing up, these two guys named Sanballat and Tobiah, and they, they won't stop shouting insults at him. He's up on this, he's trying to do the right thing, and they're shouting insults at him, you know, hey, this isn't going to happen, dummy. You know, they're calling him names. It's never going to get done. You should stop. We're going to crush your people. This is stupid. This is an impossible dream, and you're stupid for dreaming it. You know, and maybe you know what it is to decide to walk a line that's not the popular way, and, um, but it's the healthy thing for you, and maybe it's the righteous thing for people around you, and maybe you know what it is to have people snicker and to kind of, you know, maybe they're not, Shouting it out loud, or maybe they do. I worked in a place one time that I was completely green behind the ears, and I had, I guess I had too chipper of an attitude. I was too positive. And there was another employee that was um, angry at life and didn't like me being positive. And she went out of her way to make my life miserable. And she snickered and she planted. I just remember that. I mean, Sand Ballot and Tobiah, I, I, I still remember this woman. I pray for her. I don't even know if she's alive or dead or what's happened in her life, but she was my enemy. Lord, bless her right now. I don't know where she is, but visit her. Um, that was a prayer. Anyway, I, 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 you've probably had that happen in your life where, where people have shouted at you while you've been trying to do a good thing. And maybe you've experienced that you know, when you start doing something um, for God, distractions are going to show up. They are. So what's Nehemiah do? He's working away and, you know, these voices of doubt, these people are challenging him. There's this, they're screaming at him, discouragements. And I, I love what he says. And this is, a, this is a Terry paraphrase. He says, flake off. You know, you, you guys, go away. I don't have time for you. And he says, sorry, but I'm doing a big work here and I can't come down there now. I'm fulfilling God's purposes I can't be distracted by your opinions. I can't be swayed by your preferences. I'm doing what I was created to do, and, and you're not going to stop me. I'm doing a great work, and I can't come down. And I think that sometimes, some of us, we need to internalize that and do the same thing. You know, 
Let it become a part of our inner talk. What's going on as we, do you talk to yourself? (laughs) You're all nuts. (laughs) No, everybody talks to themselves. Let this become a part of your inner talk. Lord, this is, this is my thing. I, I'm not, this is good. I'm not coming down there just because you guys want to shout at me. I'm doing a great work. That's what God called me to do. And, and I'm being faithful to this. I'm going to keep at this. And, and, and the thing is, there's a reward out there. I'm going towards that. And I, I, I'm doing a great work and I can't come down. I mean, um, my own journey into ministry, which is my bigger P purpose, um, it's not everybody's, it's some people's. And um, I just think about all of the distractions that tried to pull me away from this. I was, I was in, a, in, a, in a trajectory in life. God had really blessed me. It was God's blessing upon me and Lisa, and I had a really terrific job at a, at a large corporation, and I was being quickly promoted through management. And it, every time that happened, you kept adding a bigger, wider paycheck, and I was making way more money at a young age than I should have and it, should, it was a real blessing. And um, Lisa and I felt called to ministry. <laughs> and nobody, you know, nobody was saying to me, yeah, yeah, you should do that. That wasn't what I was hearing around in different, it was just like the, the people I worked with, my colleagues, my bosses, you know, they, when I started talking about this one, they said, what? Why would you waste your life on that, you're going to go this way, and you're going to make this much, and you're going to have this much. You're nuts. My colleagues and my bosses and people that I worked with, is a distraction. No, I'm called to this. <laughs> you know, this purpose, I'm doing a great work. I can't come down. And besides my wife, and my family, um, at least at a professional level, there was nobody supporting what I felt like the Lord was telling me to do. You know, they were saying, that's stupid. <laughs> You're coming back. You'll come back. You'll be back. This is dumb. Maybe you won't have a chance when you come back. I mean, here's a funny little anecdote. About a year later, was it a year later? My boss... I think I might have told you this story, but my boss at the time came, made another pass at trying to get me to come back, and she shoved an envelope across the the, the coffee table, the um, the restaurant, right, restaurant, shoved an envelope across. What's that? Oh, it's just a you know, thank you for da 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 da. It was like it was a check for, I think it was between five and ten thousand. It was a lot of money, and it was a bribe. It was to come back to. Her. I said, what's what are the strings? No strings. We just want you to consider coming back. Thank you very much. <laughs> Not coming back. But I'll take your money. <laughs> they couldn't see it. It's stupid. Crazy. You'll be back. Hey, I, I won't be back. I'm doing a great work. And I chose three people at that point who I trusted to tell me the truth and who I believed walked with the Lord, had a relationship that they, would, they, they, they knew God, they knew his word, they would honor. And I, I went to three people and I said, okay, here, here, here are the circumstances. Here's my, here's, here's my life, here's my career, but here's what I sense. Didn't try to talk them into it. I tried to have them talk me out of it, three people. And every one of those three people, my father being one, said to me, this just makes absolutely no earthly sense, but I can tell you God's in this. And those three people 
in those moments, we're walking in their little P purpose to help me walk into my big P purpose. That's you. When people come to you and say, hey, give me a bearing on this. Give me the, the wind speed on this. What's, what's blowing, you know, help me capture what's maybe got up to here. That's the Lord giving you the opportunity to walk in your little P purpose in that moment and share some light with somebody. Do you know the Lord calls you to be salt and light? Right? By the way, here's the recipe. A little tiny bit of salt and a whole bunch of light. That's the opposite of the recipe typically given, right? Christians think they got to be this much salt and this much light. No, flop that. And you'll get those opportunities. Make sure you're a lot of light and just a touch of salt. Too much makes it terrible. You spit it out, right? So, so these guys, and, and I, I, they said, okay, I don't have time for that. I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm doing a great work, and I'm just not coming down. I'm where God called me to be. And, and sometimes you have to remind yourself to think that way. You know, sometimes the little, little P purposes don't feel very big. But then you just have to remind yourself, I'm going to stack up some little P purpose moments. I'm a student right now. I'm going to keep plowing forward. I'm going to keep getting it done. I'm going to keep getting it done. I'm going to keep chipping away. I'm going to be faithful to God in these little things. And I know that he's going to be trusting me in some big things. And I don't know what it'll be for you. Maybe the Lord is saying some things to you like, you know, you're supposed to get out of debt. He's saying to you, get out of debt. It's a calling. I don't want to be in debt anymore. I want to be out of this. And people are making fun of me. Hey, why are you driving that old beater car? There's a 0% interest thing. Did you see it on TV? Shiny, chrome, you know? Or they say, what's with the brown bag lunch? <laughs> what do you got in there? I'll trade you my Twinkie for your banana. They make fun of your lunch. But you say to yourself, no, I am doing a good thing. I don't have time to come down. I'm getting out of debt. I have a vision for the reward. I, I just want that weight off of me. Or maybe you have made a decision to stay pure for your future spouse. Or f- to honor God. And that is not the thing for today. And people would want to say, no. You know, come on, that's so old-fashioned. No, I got a higher calling. I'm doing an important work, and I can't come down from here. If you want something normal, then just do normal. But if you want something better than what's normal out there, you've got to do something different. You've got to be something different. I'm doing a great work, and I can't come down. Maybe, maybe you feel called to be a stay-at-home parent. And... Um, you know, and, and that's because of your plan for your children, and it's right for your household. I encourage you to hear from the Lord about that. I'm not pushing that on anybody here. I don't have an agenda with this, okay? I'm just trying to stir, stir the possibilities. So, okay, so I use this as an example. A stay-at-home parent. And other people think, but wait a second. You can make a lot of money. You'll be able to provide for your children the witsit and the latest Nintendo whatever. And that could be true, but... You know, I, I have heard from the Lord. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. I don't have time for this. I can't come down. I'm doing a big work. I'm right where, there's power in purpose. Power in purpose, one, it diminishes distractions. Second one is that purpose pushes you through the pain. Your purpose is going to give you motivation to get going even when things hurt. And here's something challenging. Preachers aren't supposed to tell their people this. 
because the world says you don't want to hear this, but it's the truth, right? Okay, so you used to be flogging. I'm sorry about this, but if you are pursuing your purpose, there will always be some pain involved every single time. may not be a huge pain, but there's going to be some. I mean, and, and don't for a minute think that somehow you will be the exception. It just doesn't, it just doesn't work that way. It's like, um, you know, it, it was for Moses. There was pain involved, you know, for David, for Esther, for Mary. There certainly was for Jesus pain involved. You know, you're, and the reason that there's going to be some pain involved is because your enemy is going to resist you. He's going to resist you, you know. I, I, in fact, I don't get too concerned when there's resistance. I'm more concerned when there's no resistance, right? Okay, that's just kind of sick, but that's kind of how I would look at it. I mean, I, I, I know when I'm doing the will of, of, of God that there's going to be some resistance. I know when I'm doing what God called me to do, there will be people that will resist because they just don't understand. They just don't understand. And, and the reason that they don't understand is that God tells us in his word that his thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not. He doesn't think like we think. He doesn't do things the way we do things. So people who don't understand God won't understand and that's not negative. It's not evil. They just don't understand. We ought to understand that about them, right? And not judge them when they don't understand. And you're going to recognize that um, with your purpose, there will sometimes be some pain along the way. And what you need to do is go, okay, I'm dealing with this pain because there's a reward over there. There's a reward just past that. There's a, there's a greater value in serving God's purpose than in living for the approval of people. It's kind of like, you know, <laughs> watching, I shouldn't laugh, when, when my wife was in labor, okay? I would not laugh about that, right? I mean, I mean, and if you're pregnant right now, I don't mean to freak you out. Where's my pregnant daughter? Um, I, I mean to freak, freak you out, but, you know, this whole birth thing is really kind of freaky, right? I mean, I mean, I mean, come on. How does a woman do that? How do you women produce a baby. It's freaky. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, so why would you submit yourself to that? Why would you be willing? <laughs> sounds like I'm trying to talk. Why would you be willing, ladies? Come on, it's freaky. It's, it's, there's going to be some pain. It's not so clean. And well, there's this payoff at the end, right? I've already dug a hole I can't get out of because I... <laughs> I am on thin ice. I can tell from some of you. Okay, you got 30 more seconds on this, then move on. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's this precious little something that can't be measured that it's such a great reward. I love kids. Don't you love? I mean, there's this, there is no other earthly reason why a woman would, would allow. <laughs> I mean, I've never given birth. Fair, full disclosure, okay? All right. <laughs> But I really don't, here's what I really don't understand. You, okay, I'm in a hole, I might as well just keep digging. Those of you who say, I'm going to go completely natural. Okay, okay, listen, if there's a drug for this that will help me with the pain, I'll give it to me. Okay. <laughs> I'd be wimping out, you know, I would be. But w- women choose to give birth to a child for a very clear and obvious reason. There is a wonderful reward and the pain diminishes. That reward, that purpose pushes you through the pain. 
And that's true with every good godly purpose. There's, it costs us something in pain. Yeah, okay, I guess, every, I guess I do suffer sometimes when I want to push through with a purpose. And every now and then when people take shots at you or, you know, and, and everybody calls you something, that it's costing you something. And when you consider, when we consider what Jesus paid for us, you know, and you're serving God, when you consider, when you consider that, I guess every now and then I can go ahead and handle a little bit of pain because there's a purpose. I, I don't mind a little bit. It pushes me through. That purpose helps push me through. I've got this higher calling. And when you recognize that, that this is what I'm supposed to do, critics can't stop you. Opposition will not stop you. Pain doesn't stop you. I was created for this. You know, This is a little p purpose. Something God called me to do. I'm going to be faithful to God in this purpose. Purpose, uh, power of purpose. Uh, one, it diminishes distractions. Two, it pushes you through the pain. And then three, purpose empowers you to please God. It, it gives you the ability to please God. And that was the power that kept Moses going um, because while he was serving God, he faced some big time opposition. I mean, really, really. He faced it from his enemies. He faced it from Pharaoh with the, the armies and all of that that was going on. He even faced it from his own people who complained like nobody's business. They got to complaining to a whole new art. And, and, and he was empowered and he kept going. Why do you do that? I'm pleasing God. I'm, you know, this is what God called me to do. It's what I was created to do. And you're not going to talk me out of doing this. This God's in this. That was him. We read about this. Um, and we read about this story, um, this, this, another example in the New Testament, in the book of Acts, when Peter and, and John were preaching Christ, they kept talking about, you know, they had experienced salvation. They had seen the miracles. They had gone from just run-of-the-mill, humdrum, living through life, trying to get through today, challenges of life, people, to encountering the author of life, to seeing the dead be raised, to seeing thousands be fed from nothing they saw the miracle after miracle of compassion, how Jesus cared for people. They saw that, and, and they were changed by it. They were changed. And so they're now preaching the resurrected Christ. They saw, they saw him executed. They saw him walking. There, was, there were hundreds of people. It's recorded in secular history. It's not really even contested in secular history. And these guys had seen it, and they're preaching the name of Jesus. And the religious leaders of the day, <laughs> people in my job, went up to him and said, you got to stop that. You got to stop saying the name of Jesus. <laughs> you got to stop preaching in that name. And these guys had already been beaten. They'd already been put in prison. They'd already, you know, they'd just, you know, and by the way, I, I just chuckle about this because, you know, 2,000 years ago, they were being told, you can't say the name of Jesus publicly. There's separation of Jesus, God, and there's something. There was something, and here we are 2,000 years later, and the name Jesus. You still cannot say the name of Jesus. It's, it's crazy. You can say God. You can say higher power. You can say, you know, supreme being. You can even say Allah. <laughs> you can say spirituality. You can do all that, any of those things you want. You can say any of those things all day long on daytime television, and you're fine. But if you say the name of Jesus, 
on daytime TV, (laughs) they will shout you down and chase you off. Because the name of Jesus is above every other name. Acts, here's this situation in Acts, starting uh, in chapter 4, starting in verse 7. And when the religious leaders had set them in the midst, they asked, by what power or by what name have you done this? They'd been praying for people and seeing people healed. And verse 8, then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well, let it be known to, to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, by the way, the dude you killed, whom God raised from the dead, by him, this man stands here before you whole. They're talking about a man who'd been healed. And the man who'd been healed wouldn't stop saying the name of Jesus because he'd been healed. Verse 12, nor is there salvation in any other, excuse me, back up to 11. This is the stone which, the, which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. So there's a quoting there of an Old Testament passage. They're speaking to these Hebrews and they're speaking to them in their language. Here's your scriptures telling that you were going to reject him hundreds of years ago and here it is happening in our eyes and you are the instrument. Wow, verse 12. Nor is there salvation in any other for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. You might want to, if you have your Bible, circle that word must. If you don't have it with you today, go home. It's verse 13, excuse me, verse 12, and circle the word must. People who believe that there are lots of ways to sort things out with God, it'll work out in the by and by. Here's, here's God saying to you, there is only one name under which you must be saved, and that's Jesus Christ of Nazareth. There is no other way. There's no other na- way, and people must be saved that way. Scripture also tells us that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Christ is Lord. Whether, it's ha- whether it happens while you walk this earth and are alive and choose it, or afterwards when you face God, you will acknowledge at some point that Jesus Christ is Lord. And your knee will bow and your tongue will confess it. And the thing is this. God doesn't want anybody to perish. He doesn't want a single person. I believe the picture of the gates of hell is with Jesus standing in front of it saying, please, don't go past me. Don't. I love you. That's too terrible and I love you too much and what I have for you is too good. Don't go there. And if you've never decided to make Christ your savior, I encourage you to do that. Scripture says, all who call on the name of Christ will be saved. Calling on the name of Christ means that you recognize I cannot get to heaven based on how good I can be because I will fail. Nobody can. We even heard it quoted this morning. For all fall short of the glory of God. Romans 3.23. Or was that 6.23? Had it right the first time. Go with your first impression. It helps with testing at school, too. Everybody falls short. And, but God loves us so much that he gave his only son to pay the price for our sin. And when you recognize that that's true about you too, and you're willing to accept the gift that he gives to you, you that's where you say, okay, Jesus, I, I acknowledge it. I need a savior, and you're the one. He's the name by which, he's the only name by which we must be saved.
So they're being told, you know, you can't talk in that name. You can't preach in that name. <laughs> you can't tell people about that name. What'd they say? Essentially, they said, hey, we can't stop talking about Jesus. You know, we've been so transformed by him. We've been, we've been so, we, we are so forgiven by Jesus. And when you've seen what we've seen, you can't stop talking in Jesus' name. We can't do it. You can beat us. You can throw us into prison. You can try to kill us. But we're not coming down. This is too important. I'm not coming down off this wall. And they said it like this, verse 19. But Peter and John answered and said to them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. For we cannot speak the things which we have cannot cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. There it is. We obey God rather than human beings. They're saying it, you know. We're going to obey God rather than man. Why? Because we can't please men, but we can please God. You know, we're going to try to please people. We're going to really try. And I think sometimes we get consumed with it. But when you realize, you know, how sad a people-pleasing life really is, you know, think about it. Just think about it for a minute. Do you like me? Do you like my hairstyle? Do you, do you, do you know, why didn't you tell me that you like my hairstyle? You know, it's like, do my jeans make me look fat? No, no. I mean, do you, do you, do you don't think I look good anymore? It's like, do you like my dinner? Do you like my restaurant? Do you like the dinner I cooked? Do you like the fact that I can afford this restaurant? Do you, you know, do you like the car? Do you like my cool car? Do you, do you like my picture? I posted the picture. You didn't comment on the picture. I sent you a text message. I saw the bubbles. You didn't respond to the text message. Did you, are we not friends anymore? I saw the bubbles. You didn't respond. By the way, speaking of texting and bubbling, a week from today, this is completely nothing part of the message, but I just mentioned to you, a week from today, there's a law that takes, takes place in our state where holding an electronic instrument in your hand while you drive is now a, an offense. You'll get a ticket for it. It's not safe, so don't do it, okay? Put it down. Okay, I won't. This, so, driving under the influence of electronics act. It includes grooming, consuming food, which some of those things are secondary, but um, anyway, so... No more shaving with my electric razor on the freeway. <laughs> my wife's got to face me. You're not going to shave on the freeway? Okay, so I saw these bubbles. Why didn't I? You didn't answer me. Don't you like me? Aren't we friends? You know, are we okay? Are we okay? Do you like me now? I'm a Christian. Do you like me now? Oh, you think I'm kind of weird? Okay, well, I'll be kind of a Christian, maybe. Or we start worrying about what people think. You know, do you like me? Do you like me? Do you like my jokes? Do you think the one about the oxygen mask? I worked hard on that. <laughs> Living to, to please people keeps you <laughs> from the purposes of God. You know, it keeps you from the purposes of God. You, you just can't please everybody. You just cannot please everybody. But you can please God. We can't please everybody, but we can Please, God. Let, let that just get down into your soul. You can't please everybody, but you can please God. You really can. How do we do that? Anytime you walk by faith in God, you are pleasing him. Sounds simple. And it is. It is. It's simpler than you want to make that out. Whenever we're being obedient to the little p purpose that the Lord has put in your pathway, you're pleasing him. 
You know, if you decide to die to yourself and, and, and instead, you know, let the Lord, let Christ live through you, and, and you recognize that is the most freeing thing to know that you can please God. See, now there's a distraction. I'm going to stay on this purpose even though the horn honks behind me. You know, I just want to honk the horn. I mean, we just cannot please everybody else. We just can't. So why is it that we get so consumed with doing it? You know, ultimately, what does their opinion matter anyway? You know, we can, we can please God and we can be set free from this curse of trying to please other people. So when we're called according to the purposes of God, and I'm doing this work, I'm not going to come down. You know, your opinion, it's important, but it doesn't change me. It doesn't matter that much. You can make fun of me all day long. I'm, I'm, I'm not coming down. You can laugh behind my back. You can talk, talk about me. You can, you can say I'm never going to amount to anything, but I'm doing an important thing, and I'm not coming down. There's power in that. There's purpose in that. Serving a God who I can please. And, and verse 26 is so powerful. They say, Moses regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as, greater, as of greater value than the treasure of Egypt. Why? Because he was looking ahead to his reward. It's kind of funny. I was just kind of wrapping up my notes. We're just about to the end here. And um, uh, a couple of days ago, and I'm in my study. I'm studying this. And uh, I get this text message from Rachel. It, wasn't, it was meant to be a distraction, but I don't think so. I think it was the Lord amusing her to confirm because I had just, putting, just finished that passage. Um, can you stick that? Is it, oh, can you back back up to that passage where Moses says, okay, I'm going to take the, un, the, the discomfort and the pain because of the reward. Okay, verse 26, he said at the bottom. That's the whole point. That's the whole point. So I get this text message from, Gray, from Rachel about Grace, my granddaughter, who's four, right? And I have permission to share this with you. This is a quote. She says, funny, today I let Grace pick her punishment for the first time. She bit Annie, who's her two-year-old sister. Not, not being mean, but trying to push Annie's buttons. So I gave Grace the option, lose your donut or get a spanking. Want to guess what she wanted most? Just as I'm doing this, Moses gave up, you know, I knew exactly what she would have chosen. My answer was, you know, she took the pain for the reward, right? Yes, that's what she did. Here's Rachel's answer. She took time to think about her choices and accepted the spanking with no protest. (laughs) The moral of the story is my granddaughter is just like Moses. (laughs) Just like her. Moses regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as greater than the values of treasures of Egypt because he was looking forward to his reward. There's value in being liked by people, but there's even greater value in being loved by God. There's, there's value in our comfort. There's, there's greater value in God's calling. There's, there's value in having fun with people. There's, there's an even greater value in faithfulness to God. There's value in starting something there's even greater value in finishing something important for the Lord. And there's value in being popular, but there's even greater value in serving God's purpose. Choose to be faithful in the moment. You know, if you're 
raising little kids and you're up to here in diapers and you think to yourself, I am never even going to remember the English language the next time I ever see an adult. (laughs) Remind yourself, I'm being faithful in the moment. I'm just, these little ones are a big deal to me and to God. I'm being faithful today. Serving God. When you're, if you're trying to get out of debt and, and you're making sacrifices every day, People are saying it's stupid and, you know, why are you doing that? Why are you doing that? Why are you doing that? It's for the reward. There's a reward. You're doing it for the reward. You know, I'm doing this for a purpose and I can't come down. Maybe, maybe you're fostering a child, which can be one of the most challenging and rewarding things that a person can do. But the Lord's called you to care for someone that wasn't your own child. The Lord's called you to invest your life and your resources to building a person who needs, needs, just needs help. And it's grueling, and you can love it. Remind yourself, I'm doing it. This is my purpose. The Lord put, wired me to do this. You know, you serve the Lord, and people make fun of you, and they say, hey, what are you doing that for? That's crazy. Why don't you just leave your little Bible at home and come on with us and go crazy party? Everybody is doing this. Okay. Maybe they'll laugh and they won't understand. Just remind yourself, I'm not doing this to please everyone. I'm doing it for God. Day after day, week after week, month after month, little p after you make these choices. Because you are today the sum total of the choices that you made before. And tomorrow you're going to be the sum total of the choices that you continue to make. Determine today to become one who, instead of seeking popularity, pursues your purpose and that that you have the actual ability to please God. Let's pray. Lord, help us to choose sometimes the harder choice, many times, maybe most times, the harder choice because it's an instant, it just feels good instantly when we feel like people are pleased and there's popularity. Lord, we want to be popular in heaven. We want to be popular with our creator. You deserve our adoration and our praise. And God, you're so faithful. You describe how faithful you are. We look at the birds and the, and the flowers and we think, oh, how lovely they are and how much better will you clothe us and care for us and take care of our hurts and our wounds than just the birds and the flowers. You are the faithful one, God. I just want to take for a moment here too and pray for people who walked in today carrying an extraordinary weight of either pain or concern or brokenness or hopelessness. If any of those words would describe you in the least, would you just position your heart before the king right now? Because, Lord, I just, I just pray that you, by supernatural love, would intervene in these circumstances these situations that are being held before you right now, faithful God, would you minister to us with hope, with life, and with love? Would you be the one who heals our physical body? Would you be the one who is our provider? Without respect to what our boss will tell us tomorrow, Lord, would you order our steps? Your promise says that you order the steps of the righteous. Order our steps, Lord. Help us to be faithful, Lord, to, to look into your eyes, not the eyes of those with whom we seek popularity. Help us, Lord, to be faithful in the little things. Help us, Lord, so that you can trust us with bigger things. Lord, help us to choose this, the purposes that you have for us over popularity in this world. Pray these things in Jesus' name.
Amen. Church, I'm going to ask that you keep your, your head bowed just a little bit longer. I just want to give a chance to anybody who um, hasn't accepted Jesus into their heart yet. Um, it's a